Jason Scores, and welcome to another episode of Dispatch from the Zombie Apocalypse. I hope everybody is doing great as spring is fully underway, and hopefully you are somewhere where the flowers are coming out and the weather is warming. So today's episode is going to be about the Mueller report, the kind of implications of the Mueller report. And I will speak a little bit about impeachment of the president and then where we go from here. As you can tell by the title of this podcast, the Mueller report just confirms what we already knew, which is that Donald Trump is lawless, has no respect for the Constitution, is a pathological liar and a danger to the country. Before I get into the details of the report, I want to talk a little bit about how the left is, I think, incorrectly feeling let down about the report, or or maybe I should reframe that, feeling let down for bad reasons. I want to talk a little bit about Bill Barr's reading and really shameless um, mischaracterization of the report. Uh, But I will preface this by saying I have not read the entire 400-plus page report, but I have read the executive summaries of both parts of the kind of collusion conspiracy and then part two, the obstruction of justice. I've read many, many articles by experts. I've listened to many hours from legal scholars. So I think I have a pretty good sense both from reading portions of the report and listening to very smart people talk about it, to have a few things to say, some of which will be novel and some of which will just be kind of encapsulations of, of, of what others have said. So first on, on the left kind of feeling disappointed that there's no smoking gun here to really you know bring down the president. I, I think a problem on the left, I'm sure there's some on the right as well that, that, that go through this, is, is always wanting silver bullets, right? I think the left, somehow we, we look for saviors, we look for silver bullets a lot, and it just, it's just not a sensible way to go about our business of, of trying to promote good governance and kind of long-term prosperity because saviors really don't exist, and silver bullets rarely do as well. And the notion that that Mueller was going to find some, you know, email where Trump is directing the Russians to do something was just pretty far-fetched and ludicrous. That being said, I think the report is incredibly damning, and I think it is a good grounds for impeachment, among other reasons for impeachment that I will talk about. And I think part of the reason the left has felt let down is because Bill Barr who is just another unethical, long-term conservative movement, you know, Republican who has really spent his career covering up crimes, has done a really good job of 
obfuscating what the report says. The fact that he came out with his summary, which again was a, a complete mischaracterization of what Mueller had had said, you know, weeks before, so that he, they get to set this narrative that it basically is this huge letdown. When you actually read the report, it's not that at all. In fact, the report is incredibly damning. And Bill Barr is a hack. It is just a sad, another sad example of the 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 kind of levels, the the debasement, and the levels we have sunk to in this nation, where the attorney attorney general is clearly partisan, clearly looking to protect the president and not uphold the rule of law. It's uh, again another one of the many sad chapters that's being added to these tales of woe of this out of control insane administration. So let's talk about what the Mueller report actually says, not what other people say it says, but what it says. Now, clearly, you're going to be taking my word for it here. So please go read it yourself and uh, see if what I'm saying uh, is a is a just and fair reading. So let's start with this kind of collusion conspiracy issue with the Russians. First thing to point out here is that these terms are murky terms, okay? And criminal conspiracy has a very high bar, right? So what, what the left is let down about is that there's not criminal charges about conspiracy here. But the, the key point to realize here is that conspiracy would really require intent and detailed evidence that Trump and his associates were, you know, planning with the Russians helping them do illegal stuff, coordinating in a deep manner to do illegal acts. And that didn't happen. But what did happen was plenty of soft collusion. So Trump and his his minions saying no collusion, that is a lie. Okay? There was plenty of this softer form of collusion where there many of his campaign aides were, you know, conversing with Russians, sharing information with Russians. Of course, Trump famously said things in public about, hey, I hope the Russians, you know, hack this, etc., etc. There's still some cases pending now with Roger Stone and the WikiLeaks that perhaps, in fact, parts of Trump's campaign actually coordinated with the release of the information. Because it turns out that when very damning information came out about Trump, the WikiLeaks released stuff an hour later. So again, there's still some information to be gleaned in that case. Uh, Also, Mueller points out that many of Trump's people lied to him, refused to incriminate themselves and took the Fifth Amendment and or deleted uh, information or information that was encrypted and they were not allowed to see it so that the full picture they do not have. But it is true. As a reality-based individual, Donald Trump did not do things that we know of and probably did not do things that rose to criminal conspiracy. But him and many of his campaign ads did plenty of soft collusion, which is reaching out and interacting with a foreign adversary for, for, the, for electoral gain. The, the, the sad thing about our country, and this says more about our laws, is that that's not illegal. It was not illegal for Trump and his people to talk to the Russians and share campaign polling data with them and, you know, and talk to them and, to, and because they had mutual interests. It's bad. 
In my view, it's treasonous because Russia's an adversary. They were interfering on our elections and the Trump people were happy to help them. But it is not illegal. It is not criminal. So that's part one. Part two is this obstruction of justice. This one is a lot more interesting in some sense because it's some circular logic here where Mueller says he's going to follow the DOJ, Department of Justice, recommendations. By the way, this is not a law, but it is kind of internal recommendations that say you cannot indict a sitting president. And the reason being is all the attention and work that would require would detract the sitting president from you know his or her responsibilities and this would be problematic we have impeachment in the 25th amendment if we think someone's a danger and so you know we're not we're not allowed to indict a sitting president because of that Mueller said I'm not even going to suggest whether or not I think Trump obstructed justice because if I said that but I'm not indicting him he wouldn't have an opportunity in a court of law and a justice system to to fight back against that and, and, and argue his case. And so he what Mueller basically does is say, I'm going to just lay out the, the 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 11 or so events in which it seems like Trump might have obstructed justice, lay out the pros and cons for reaching a judgment and then leave it to the to you know others to come to that determination whether the Congress through an impeachment hearing or after Trump is a civilian, there's a five-year statute of limitations, but he could be charged with obstruction of justice, you know, in 2021 if he um, if he loses the election and becomes a, a civilian. So the, the point here I want to make is I've read some of the, the 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 parts of this document and I've listened to others discuss the relevant parts of this document. I think there is an incredibly strong case that Trump obstructed justice. In fact, if it was you know anybody else i think they would have they would have prosecuted indicted and they would have come up with a a conviction throughout this also it is clear that trump continually lies i mean continually has no respect for the rule of law no respect for the constitution and the final point i want to make here is that bill barr saying that he is going to make a judgment that that trump did not um, obstruct justice because kind of Mueller left it to others. That was not his to make. I want to make this very clear. Bill Barr is a hack. He is unethical to the core. He has a long history, look this up, of covering up Republican crimes. And for him to just unilaterally say when nothing in this document said it was up to the attorney general to make this judgment, to just unilaterally say, I read it, I don't think you did it, move on. It was good to rile up the Trump base. It was good to deflate the left until they got had a chance to actually read the document. But it is simply wrong. And so to, to end this section, I want to say those on the left who feel that the Mueller report didn't live up to their expectations, I think you're jumping to conclusions way too quickly. I recommend you read the report. It is a damning indictment of the president. And when I get to talk about impeachment in a, in a little later in the episode i will uh i'll bring back uh, elements of the report but after the break i want to talk about what this says about the gop and moving forward oh yes scaring the nation
So next up here, I want to talk a little bit about the implications of the Mueller report and basically Bill Barr's cover-up and the cowardice of the Republican Party to own up to Trump's criminal activity and his complete unfitness for office. And so those of you who are listeners of the podcast or who, who know my views, this will not be a big surprise, but I think it's just worth restating here that the Republican Party, the GOP, is beyond redemption. I don't think individuals are ever beyond redemption. Right? So I want to be clear here. Individual rank-and-file Republicans, you know, I'm not calling them out as beyond redemption. But the GOP as a political party, as a political project, as a political ideology, is so thoroughly corrupt and deranged that it must be destroyed. And it must be destroyed, again, politically, through votes, mobilization, expansion of democracy, changes in, in rules and laws that will you know, weaken the undemocratic, anti-majoritarian structures of this country. Maybe 25 to 50 years from now, a generation or two, the conservative movement can regroup after it's, you know, been in the political wilderness. And, you know, I, I think there, there might be a, a role for it in the future of America. But from my standpoint, for this next generation or so, the GOP really needs to be relegated to the dustbin of history. It is a completely unprincipled party. There is no moral foundation. There are no rules and ethics that they will... Um, that they will not break. It is completely obsessed with power at all costs. And as I have pointed out, it is really a white grievance cult in the service of plutocracy. If you add to that that it denies climate change and is really stalling you know, any efforts to address climate change, it is really an incredible threat to humanity. I also want to point out, I've pointed this out before, but it's worth repeating because, again, it's so hard for Americans to wrap their head around this. But the, the Republican Party in America is the most far-right extremist party in the world. It is more far-right than neo-Nazi parties in Europe, right? Most far-right parties around the world, and again, check this out for yourself. You do not have to take my word for it. Believe in climate change. They believe in universal health care. They believe in universal education. They believe in background checks and restrictions on guns, right? Most far-right parties are really concerned about immigration and restricting immigration and keeping out certain um, types of people, particularly brown people and Muslims, and there's obviously big problems with that. But that's most of what the right-wing project is involved with in the rest of the world. The right-wing project in the U.S., which is trying to just deregulate the economy, trash the environment, continue to you know funnel income up the income ladder so that uh, to exacerbate income inequality, to undermine the rule of law, allow people to have you know unchecked amount of heavy armaments and you know assault rifles and thousands of rounds of ammunition, to take away women's rights, reproductive rights, to take away gay rights to, you know, um, to be opposed universal health care, opposed universal education. 
I mean, this is just most people in the rest of the world don't because they can't even wrap their heads around it. They don't. If you're in Europe or Australia or Canada or New Zealand or even South Korea, conservative parties nowhere are nearly this far right. I mean, we are just an anomaly. And because of that, the Republican Party it's cause the, the, is so unpopular. It adds to all of that that it has to suppress the votes and lie and cheat and stoke up racist animus to kind of mobilize its base to try to win elections. So this, to me, is just completely irredeemable. My, my view on this, which I, is unchanged and is just growing more confident by the day, is that we need to destroy the Republican Party. This, this it does not have any uh, right to continue to govern uh, given its past actions. Obviously, this is a political project. This is not to be accomplished through any kind of violence, but we must destroy the Republican Party and make it like the Whigs, you know, of the 18th century. So the real, you know, last couple points I, I want to just make on this is that this has been 40 years in the making, right? Ronald Reagan, I don't think he should have been impeached, right? He wasn't completely lawless, but he sold weapons to the Iranians and lied about it. He helped funnel and his administration funny money illegally to right-wing juntas. They did all kinds of unconstitutional stuff and, you know, just horrible, horrible atrocities. And, you know, now that I'm actually thinking about it, maybe those were impeachable offenses. But putting that aside for a second, you know, St. Ronald Reagan, I mean, if you really look at the record, especially on the foreign policy, is just horrific. He also helped fund the Mujahideen in um, Afghanistan that then led to Al-Qaeda. I mean, there's some famous photographs of all these you know, uh, Afghan warlords sitting in the White House with Reagan while he's funding them against communism. And again, he was doing it because the Soviets had invaded Afghanistan and that was to fight, you know, Soviet communism. But just a horrific foreign policy disaster after horrific foreign policy disaster, which then ended up helping to really create Al-Qaeda. Then, of course, you go back a little further, you have Richard Nixon, who was the first president really to, to, to you know, face impeachment and, and end up resigning because he knew he was going to be convicted. So he was a, a complete crook. And then, of course, you have Bush too, who lied about the Iraq war, who, you know, did the worst foreign policy disasters in U.S. history. Five trillion dollars spent, just thrown down a rat hole, hundreds of thousands killed, torture, terror warning alerts. You know, and, and again, to think about this, did two huge tax cuts to the rich while engaged in two full-scale wars. Just completely unprecedented, unprincipled, and insane. And then we have Trump, right? So, the you know, Trump is not an aberration. People who think he's an aberration and once we get rid of him, we're going to go back to, quote, normal, simply have no sense of history. The Republican Party has been corrupt for a long time. It has been racist for a long time. It has been a plutocratic cult for a long time, and it's only going to get worse if they stay in power. So they must be soundly defeated. And the the Republican members of Congress who are protecting this president, in my view, are, are engaged in treasonous conduct. And it's uh, it doesn't get much worse than this, right? So I want to just make clear here that the Mueller report just confirmed what we already knew. So let's move on to what we should do about it after the break. 
Won't you help to sing These songs of freedom Cause all I ever have Redemption songs Redemption songs Emancipate yourselves from mental slavery None but ourselves can free our minds Okay, so on to what we do about an out-of-control Republican Party and a lunatic president. So the first thing I want to talk about is impeachment. Impeachment is serious business. Our system of government has the process in place so that we can remove a president who represents a clear and present danger to the nation. It's important to note that impeachment is a statement of charges. It's akin to an indictment made by the House of Representatives. It is then up to the Senate to convict and ultimately remove from office a president that is impeached. The Constitution states that federal officials can be impeached for treason, bribery, or other high crimes and misdemeanors. Since impeachment proceedings have been so rare in U.S. history, there is no firm criteria for assessing a president's conduct, and it is left to the House to adjudicate. And obviously notice that when it says high crimes or misdemeanors, you know, a high crime and a misdemeanor are not that related, right? So this is a tough one. It's really a political process. But I want to make clear that I think our current president's conduct clearly and unambiguously meets the bar for impeachment. So first, I want to consider the following questions about the current president. So do we have full confidence in any of the following statements about President Trump? President Trump can be trusted to faithfully follow the Constitution. President Trump can be trusted to put the interests of the country over his personal interests. President Trump respects the rule of law and is committed to truth and honesty. President Trump, in the gravest matters of national security and our emergency, in which life and death decisions have to be made, will gather the best evidence, listen to a variety of opinions, and come to a considered judgment on what is in the best interest of the nation. No one, and I mean no one with a straight face, can answer any of these four questions in the affirmative. Not a single one. And let me be clear, no individual is prepared to be President of the United States and the awesome responsibility that it carries. These responsibilities tax even the greatest and most dedicated presidents. But the current president hasn't shown even the slightest inclination to take his job seriously. It is common knowledge that he didn't expect to win the election and ran for more a branding opportunity than because he truly wanted the office. But once in power, he had the opportunity to put in the work and show the country that he took the job seriously. And I'm going to be clear here. I think President Trump could have been an incredibly popular president if he had toned down the rhetoric and chosen one or two initiatives that he had talked about, the infrastructure or improving health care, and even work with the Democrats, I think he could be sailing to re-election right now. But in fact, he has done none of these things and has shown no inclination to take his job seriously at all. He spends more time watching TV, playing golf, and holding rallies than actually doing the work of being president. He doesn't understand the basic functions of government and doesn't seem to care. He treats the presidency like an extended reality TV show. He is thoroughly corrupt, holds our institutions and the rule of law in contempt, and lies so much that there is barely any truth at all in his daily utterances. This alone 
meets the criteria for high crimes and misdemeanor. To literally not care about the office that he holds and to disrespect the institution on a daily basis. In addition, as the Mueller report clearly details, Trump doesn't care that the Russians, our adversaries, interfered with our election. In fact, he egged them on. His campaign colluded with them to spread dirt about Hillary. The fact that he continues not to care about this core attack on our democracy is an open invitation to more foreign meddling. And many people are worried that there's going to be not just the Russians interfering in our election next time around. This, again, clearly qualifies under high crimes and misdemeanors to not even care that a foreign government is interfering in our election system and even to egg them on. I would also argue this meets the definition of treasonous conduct. So let me be clear here. Every day that Trump holds this office, our nation is in great jeopardy. Imagine if we suffer a terrorist attack, a foreign policy crisis, or a global pandemic that requires swift and competent action. No one can claim that the current president isn't the slightest bit qualified to respond to these emergencies, nor that his judgment in these moments should be trusted. In fact, time and again, his judgment has shown to be ill-informed, biased, divisive, and induced by rage, envy, and pettiness. The Democrats who control the House are now demanding documents and evidence from an administration, but Trump's people are not only not complying, they're putting themselves above the law and just outright refusing. This again constitutes high crimes and misdemeanors, to literally not follow basic legal processes that all administrations are required to follow. Trump is an almost textbook case study for the type of president who should be impeached. If not him, then ask yourself what someone would have to do to be removed from power. Does a president have to sign an agreement with a hostile power that they will jointly cheat on an election? Do they have to literally show zero interest in governing and spend 100% of their time golfing? Again, every day Trump is in office, the the country is in grave danger. We have been lucky so far that no major crises have occurred where he could throw more gas on the flames. But two years more is a long time. And if something horrible happens and we haven't done everything in our power to lawfully remove him from office, we will have all subverted our core responsibility to defend the United States. Now, of course, it's close to zero that any of the Republicans will grow a spine and actually convict the president in the Senate if he is impeached. But this doesn't mean that the Democrats shouldn't do their constitutional duty. They should further expose to the country that Trump is a danger right now going forward, that we can't risk having someone with so much disregard for the rule of law and such poor judgment and such a liar to be in charge of the most powerful military in the world, to make life and death decisions for the country. We just can't afford to do that. If the Republicans won't do their constitutional duty, that's on them. But we should, for the historical record, for the public, impeach Donald Trump and relatively quickly. So after the break, I will come back with some anecdotes on what we all can do to help move, move our country forward. Be still and hear the words of my father. Babylon, surrender, oh Lord, retreat, wicked men of Babylon, surrender, retreat, wicked men of Babylon, surrender, yeah, 
We treat wicked men of Babylon. Surrender. Okay, so my antidote for today is about a theme that I have, you know, spoken about in the past, but I just really want to reiterate here, which is that the left must unite. All throughout history, all across the world, the left is always its worst enemy. The right wing is weak. The right wing is not a majority of this country, nor a majority almost anywhere in the world. That might sound surprising to people, right? Trump is in power. The Republicans control the Senate. They control the Supreme Court. They're packing the judge, you know, the, the courts with more extremist judges. They're doing this out of weakness. They're using the anti-majoritarian aspects of power to try to rig the system more and more in an anti-democratic matter. They're, they're passing voter suppression rules and laws everywhere they can at a furious pace. They're doing this because they're weak. The demographic change that's coming is against them. The, the culturally, they've lost, right? The fossil fuel industry is going away. The coal industry is going away. People are becoming less religious. People are becoming more uh, open to gay marriage and gay rights. People are moving to cannabis and, and into psychedelic drugs as a way to heal themselves and to recreate all the parts of the right-wing project. Culturally, economically, there's a huge demand for taxing the rich, for universal health care. They are losing and they are weak. Remember, Trump won 46% of the vote. He would not have won the presidency if the left had been united, if people hadn't voted for third-party candidates, hadn't sat out. So on the left, we must continually work to be united, right? The, the differences between us, between Bernie and Hillary and Pete Buttigieg and Kamala Harris and Elizabeth Warren pale in comparison to the crazy white supremacist lunatics on the other side. They are the enemy. Our people are not the enemy. Our people, where we might have different angles, different emphasis, and I'm not saying the left or the Democratic Party is perfect, but we're generally moving in the right direction. A more, you know, kind of appropriate kind of current example of this is there's a lot of great candidates in the Democratic uh, primary, you know, running for president right now. And everyone's got their favorites. Which, and the, what it means is, is that many of us, maybe even most of us, are going to be disappointed at the end because our candidate didn't win. But that's okay. They're all going to get a fair shot. They're all going to, you know, the votes are going to be tallied. And then one person is going to emerge. And hopefully that will be the best person to take on Trump and lead the country. But at that moment, be disappointed for a day, you know, when your person doesn't win. But then work really hard for the one that did. Because that person is much closer to your values than Donald Trump and anyone on the right. Okay? And we have to do more than just vote. We have to help other people vote. We have to donate. We have to volunteer. We have to register voters, right? This is not rocket science. It's just raw power for all the complexities and all the subtleties in the American political system. At the end of the day, even with all the corruption, even with all the anti-majoritarian stuff that comes from legacies of white supremacy, we have the bodies. If we show up, we win. If the left is united, the right wing can never win. We can finally just, you know, decrease their power, diminish their power, and send them into historical irrelevancy. This is going to be difficult. 
We're going to get frustrated. There's going to be hiccups along the way. This is a long-term project, but it is the only thing that will save the nation and get us in, you know, through the 21st century in one piece. So I just really want to urge all the people on the left, just keep that front and center. We must be united against the Republican Party and the far-right extremists who are, you know, really plundering and doing incredible damage to the nation. So with that, everybody, I hope you have a great rest of the week. If you're enjoying the podcast, please subscribe on Apple uh, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, and Stitcher. Rate it, share it with your family, friends, and colleagues. And with that, be well. Take care.